Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the morning briefing for Friday, January 26, 2018. Super producer Jake Hughes here sitting in the driver's seat because host Eric Dame had to take care of some personal business and our hearts and minds go out to him. But it's Friday. We don't have a host, but you know what? We don't sl- we don't stop. We don't slow down. We go full speed ahead because we're just that awesome here on the morning briefing. We don't stop for anything. And today, being Friday, we have a great show for you. The VFW's Associate Legislative Director Ken Wiseman will be on the show. He's going to be talking about toxic exposures. Hmm, I wonder what that can mean. You'll just have to wait and find out. <laughs> and later on in the show, we're going to have... Uh, Ooh, hang on. I uh, I lost my place. Here we go. Uh, Michael J. Penny. He's the program director for the Raleigh-Durham chapter of Bunker Labs, a nationwide nonprofit organization built by military veteran entrepreneurs to empower other military veterans as leaders in innovation. Lots of cool stuff. I hope you stick around because I'm here. You know it's going to be awesome, right? Because I'm awesome. I'm awesome, Jake. Actually, when I was on the radio in AFN Korea, that was my call sign, Awesome Jake. And uh, real quick, funny story about that. You know, when you leave units, you usually get uh, like more like uh, plaques or a trophy or something. Well, I uh, I got a um, a microphone, a little golden microphone that I got. And at one point, my station commander asked me, "Hey, what do you want your uh, plaque to say?" And I thought he's joking. He's not going to make me write my own plaque. So I made up something stupid. Uh, what was it? It was uh, for awesome Jake Hughes. Never once in the history of mankind has one man been so gloriously awesome. And I just gave him that without thinking anything. And then that was was on the plaque. Like <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't even care to write his own message. He made me write my own. Uh, that's just how the military works sometimes. But anyway, let's go check out what's going on in the veteran sphere of news. And of course, the big story going around these days is the NFL and the AMVETS ad. There's been a lot of going back and forth. There's been a lot of he said, she said, and people calling out the NFL, people calling out AMVETS. And we here at ConnectingVets.com, Aside from uh, Eric Dame's uh, rather charged uh, op-ed piece about it, we've stro- we strive to remain neutral in the situation. We're trying to give you the facts and let you come up with your own decisions. So the Washington Post is reporting on the whole situation. A veterans advocacy group, that's AMVETS, is accusing the NFL of censorship for not accepting its advertisement for the Super Bowl. American veterans wanted to run an ad in the game's commemorative program with a message aimed at those protesting the national anthem. Hashtag, please stand. 
Marion Polk, the American veteran's national commander, called the decision reprehensible and totally beyond the pale in a letter to NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell. The NFL rejected the ad and insisted that they ask the organization to consider other options for its message, such as please honor our veterans or please stand for our veterans, according to NFL spokesman Brian McCarthy. Now, here's the rub. And that says they were never asked to change it. So there's the he said, she said, you know, we don't really I again, this is me. I tend to believe the veterans advocacy advocacy group. I, that word is hard to say on the radio for some strange reason. Anyway, because I know Joe Chanelli. He's a good friend of the show. We meet him all the time. He's a stand-up guy. He goes way back with Eric Dame. So we tend to believe him when he says that the uh, AMVETS was never asked to change the ad. They were just told no. Uh, Marion Polk said to Fox News, we decided that we were not going to change our ad. We placed it as please stand, and under the First Amendment, we have the right to do that. Now, here's an interesting thing. The NFL did include an ad from the Veterans of Foreign Wars, the VFW, with a message of we stand for veterans. So that's interesting. You know, and this is not a new thing. I mean, here's the... Here's the thing you got to remember. The NFL has run politically charged ads before, especially last year. After President Trump won, several ads were run by different companies that could be perceived as against Trump or against his uh, agenda. Like, for example, Budweiser ran a commercial featuring a sympathetic immigrant story just days after Trump announced his travel ban. And a company called 84 Lumber depicted a mother and daughter attempting to cross the U.S. border quickly and became one of the most polarizing and talked about moments of the night. Uh, the ad ran in full on the company's website after Fox deemed it too political. See, now, that's an ad you can say is too political because it's directly in response to a politician's uh, actions or his agenda. Whereas this, this is just us saying, please stand. That's it. We're not demanding you stand. We're not saying stand or you hate veterans. We're saying please stand. Please stand for the national anthem and respect the American flag because, well, let's face it, people have come home under that flag. And uh, again, like one of my tank commanders would say, my former tank commanders, is a sticky wicket. And that you got to remember that freedom of speech means... A lot of things, but in a nutshell, freedom of speech means the government cannot tell you what you can and can't say. That's it. A private organization like the NFL can do whatever it wants. They can have whatever language they want in their ads, and you can't really do anything about it. But some people are still crying foul. They're crying hip hypocrisy. A group called Women's for Trump. Women for Trump called the NFL hypocrites for its decision on the American Veterans ad after learning about the organization's plans to publicize social justice issues that are important to their players. They tweeted out, but the NFL won't allow a paid commercial that has please stand in the lingo. And uh, noted conservative firebrand Dana Loesch, she, you know her from a lot of the NRA commercials, uh, suggested the NFL has double standards referencing socks Colin Kaepernick once wore to make a political statement about law enforcement, she tweeted out, it's never been a place for advertising that could be considered by some as a political statement unless it socks with pigs as cops or kneeling for the national anthem, NFL priorities. Now, 
Okay, y'all know me by this point. We've been doing the show for a while, and I've been on the show for a while, so y'all know me. I hate confrontation. I am always the guy trying to find the middle ground, trying to see both sides of the issue. But I can't help but see that the NFL is having a double standard here because, again, they'll let Colin Kaepernick and other players do their thing as they should allow, not as they should protest, but as the NFL should allow them to protest because it's freedom of speech. But by not showing the other side of the argument, by not letting someone say, please stand, it's a bit of a double standard. And I've asked before on the show, NFL, tell me, how else am I supposed to take this? Because you're really not leaving a lot of wiggle room here. Uh, Since the protests began in 2016, large numbers of Americans, including many conservative lawmakers, have objected to, to the NFL protests, calling them disrespectful to the military. Famously, President Trump suggested that the NFL owners should fire the, quote, sons of, well, B-words. I don't know if I can get in trouble for saying that on the radio, so I'm just going to I'm just going to avoid it. Sons of B-words. You know what word I'm talking about. Americans views on the protests have varied depending on their race and political affiliation, with black Americans and liberal Americans being more supportive of the protests than white Americans and conservatives. Here's the thing, though. According to a survey from SurveyMonkey and Ozzy Media, a third of Americans purposely stopped watching the NFL this season. Nearly a third of those people said they did so in support of Donald Trump, and 22% said their decision was made in solidarity with players kneeling. Now, some some individual veterans and organizations have rejected the insistence on paying military against protesting athletes. San Francisco 49er Eric Reed, who was one of the first players to join Kaepernick's protest, wrote in the New York Times that the protests were not aimed at disrespecting the military. This is his statement. It baffles me that our protest is still being misconstrued as disrespectful to the country, flag, and military personnel. We chose it because it's the exact opposite. It has always been my understanding that the brave men and women who fought and died for our country did so to ensure we could live in a fair and free society, which includes the right to speak out and protest. A photo of World War II veteran John Minimus taking a knee in support of the NFL went viral shortly after Trump suggested kneeling players should be fired. The message from Minimus, a a non-agenarian war veteran, non-agenarian war veteran, I think that means he's in his 90s, I don't know. I'm, math was never my strong suit. <laughs> His uh, he message was, those kids have every right to protest. With the Super Bowl in less than two weeks, the issue has indeed re-entered the national conversation. But the posture of athletes is not likely to change unless policymakers address the issues that caused them to take a knee in the first place. Athletes such as Reed believe there has to be a way to address both the concerns of veterans and athletes protesting racism. Sure, some veterans and their supporters want the protest to end, but so do many NFL players. They just want racism and police violence to end more. That was the words of Eugene Scott, who wrote this piece for the Washington Post. And that's, I think, something you got to (sighs) remember. Again, I, you know me, I'm trying to stay in the middle here, but it's a sticky wicket because... The things they're protesting, like the like the dude said, have nothing to do with military and stuff. But what the players have to realize is what they're protesting is a symbol largely taken for the military and veterans and our country. And these people are saying that there is something fundamentally wrong with that country. So, 
uh, they have the right to say that, but we should have the right to say, please stand. That's what I'm saying. Now let's go to ConnectingBets.com, where our own awesome lady, Caitlin Kenny, did a, p- a piece about NBets clearing up the questions about their media tactics, because this is what really brought it into, or what pushed it into the realm of a firestorm. The tweets went around with photos of uh, a member of Ambet's public affairs office saying how he was going to blow this story up and send it all to all the news organizations and specifically called out Fox News saying they're going to love this story. Now, the question comes, when did he say this? Because people are saying he said it after the initial rejection or after the story went hot. Ambet's is saying he said that before. So again, it's the he said, she said. So let's take a look at the story. Uh, Ambets came under fire after screenshots depicting their media strategy for their Please Stand ad surfaced on Twitter Tuesday afternoon. Ambets proposed an ad to the NFL asking players to stand for the national anthem for the Super Bowl. The ad was rejected. Uh, noted military and veteran tweeter, The War Axe. See, it's a play on The Lorax. Axe. <laughs> That's not that funny. Anyway. <clears throat> <laughs> he said he tweeted out, so I thought Ambet's HQ please stand was funny because number one, please don't kneel for the national anthem. Number two, it's our right to kneel. Number three, it's our right to say you shouldn't kneel. Number four, go to step two. But the national comms director is gloating to strangers on Facebook about how brilliant he is. Now let's take a look at the tweet here. If I can pull it up here. Uh hang on. I can't. There we go. Okay, it's some from John John Holworth, who is their national communications director. He said his Facebook message was this: "I'm going to release it everywhere, but and just bear with me for a few hours until I can tell you all what this is about. I expect Fox News, in particular, is going to eat it up. It's right in their wheelhouse." It will get play a lot of places, and I'm going to actively engage everyone I can. But for Fox News specifically, it's got a flipping bow on it. So that right there seems like it's pretty uh, condemning. It's pretty damning evidence. But again, Ambets is saying that they did this after the rejection. But the accusation is that they did this entire thing with the intent purpose of causing a media frenzy. And... We here at the morning briefing, I think I speak for myself, and I know I sp- I'm pretty sure I speak for host Eric Dame. We believe Anvets when they said this all happened after the story. That this is a thing of, oh, they want to reject our ad? Okay, we're going to blow this story up so no one forgets it. And I kind of did the same thing on my social media pages. I posted this story and I said, please let me, please, I don't usually ask people to make this viral, but I ask people to blow the story up because I think. It is hypocritical of the of the NFL in a, in a lot of ways, and but it's one of those things. As I said, the NFL, a private organization, has the right to deny their free speech because it's a private organization, you know. And so I want to. I'm caught between wanting to respect their rights as a private entity, while also wanting to have this message go out that I want people to stand for the national anthem. It's so uh, weird. Okay, but connecting he- connecting bets reached out to Hollowworth, who confirmed that he did in fact make the comments. The conversation occurred in a closed Facebook group called Public Affairs 
for military public affairs professionals or those who used to be like himself, Hollowworth said. He said, quote, I posted there initially in the morning because I asked some of my colleagues and I addressed them as colleagues. I had asked some of my colleagues, too, if they had better contact with information, had better contact information for Fox News in particular. I lacked that contact information. So I was asking my colleagues to help out. One comment by Hollowworth that was screenshot said, I'm about to own a big chunk of the news cycle this week with or without a government shutdown taking a bunch of the air out of the room. A commenter replied, why not just disseminate the information as widely as possible? What's the agenda of having Fox News break it? What's the value there? Hollowworth replied, and that was the message I said about how Fox News has got a flipping bow on it. When asked what he meant by the story being in Fox News' quote, wheelhouse, Hollowworth said that Fox News had just the morn at morning done a segment in their morning show about the NFL and the protests, and they have covered it extensively for a bit. So Fox News, as a network, has already shown a lot of interest in the topic at hand, he said, and I anticipate they might be interested in what I was about to release, but what I lacked is good contact information to get a hold of them. And let's see, we have more tweets here. A tweeter named Army of Navid replying to our own Eric Dam and three others. And the NFL is under no obligation to run it. They're not anti-military as evidenced by the fact they're running a surprisingly similar ad by the VFW. Where is the controversy? Oh, it's manufactured. Uh, no. No, again, I can't see that because I know the people at AmVets. They're good people. They're good people that have their eyes on veteran issues, and I can't see them doing something that devious. And maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm wrong, you know, but from what I've seen about AmVets and the exposure I've met, we have uh, Joe Chanelli on the show every week. We've met Marion Polk, their uh, national dire- national commander, and several other high-profile members of their organization, and I just can't see them doing that. I can't see them generating this sort of media firestorm for no reason. Uh, the War Axe, who we had mentioned before, also said, listen, I'm not saying Ambest did anything wrong necessarily or that they're bad guys. What I'm saying is that when they saw an opportunity to, quote, own the news cycle, their thirstiness made them go full Bush League. And that's funny because they had an easy win and set themselves. Hollowworth also com- confirmed that the NFL had offered Ambets a chance to change the wording on the ad. They wanted to change it to please stand, change it from please stand to please stand with our veterans. And while m- that seems like a minor change, it actually totally changes our message. It turns it from one we meant literally, please literally stand, to one that could, prop- could and probably would be taken figuratively. Please stand with our veterans says, please generally support them. That's not the message we were trying to portray, he added. So it represented a significant change in our message. We weren't willing to change that message for the NFL. When asked what the message Ambets was trying to get across with the campaign, Hallworth said, American veterans prefer that people stand for the national anthem, but it doesn't demand that they do. It doesn't vilify them or judge them if they don't. We recognized and respected the fact that this is an individual choice and it's a right. We just chose to ask them to stand. Now, again, I have to agree with them because no one is saying, darn it, you stand or you're un-American or you hate veterans or blah, blah, blah. We're saying, hey, please stand for the national anthem. 
I mean, we had I had to do it every day at high school. This is how old I am. I don't know if they do this anymore. I had to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance every single day. And not just that, we also had to say the Texas Pledge of Allegiance because I was from Texas and well we take th- we take things seriously down in Texas. <laughs> so but we're but and again, we we here at ConnectingVets.com like to think we speak for veterans. And I've met a lot of veterans. I've met veterans from all walks of life. From Here's the thing. Veterans are not a singular entity. We have people of different values, people of different politics, different religions, different races, different genders, all this stuff. And what we're saying is that, and uh, I think Eric Dame said this before, and I agree with him. If you've got 100 veterans in a room and ask them what do you think about the national anthem and people protesting, they would say, well, I would prefer people stand. Not, I demand that they stand, but I would prefer it if they stood. So, I mean, take what you want from that. Uh, After asking if he felt the NFL rejected their ad, prevented them from having a chance to ask the audience to stand, Hallworth said yes and no. It prevented us from having the opportunity to ask the Super Bowl audience. But this is an ad that was already accepted and will be run by the NHL and the NBA. So it's really just the NFL saying that this is an unacceptable thing to communicate. Now, I did not know that. And, uh, well, I can't really speak on that because I don't, you know me, I'm not a sports guy. My, I'm an eSports guy, if anything. <laughs> I'm that kind of nerd. But uh, I can't say what the NHL and the NBA would have to do with this. But, you know, I don't know. When asked why this ad campaign is important to the organization and its members, Hallworth said, This campaign directly supports our Americanism program, which we've had for many, many years across the country. And our Americanism program is geared towards spreading patriotism, respect for the flag, and service to your country. These ideas and values, these are ideals and values that we believe in. And we think that standing for the flag is consistent with those ideals. So that's what, that's what we're really doing here is showing our values, but doing it in a respectful way, not a pushy way, and being true to what our organization believes in. When asked if Ambets was surprised at the campaign as it was originally written was rejected, he said we were very surprised because the NFL had not really wanted to take a position on some of these things that are going on, and we understand that. The NFL wants to respect the rights of its people to make their choice and exercise their rights, and they don't want to take a position. But we think the act of not taking a position is to let us say, "Please stand." We think that kind of we kind of we think that kind of the NFL took a position. Bleh, that's a weirdly worded sentence. Let me try to rephrase that. <laughs> uh, it's a little wording derp on Caitlin's part, but we still love her. <laughs> we think that kind of NFL. We think that the NFL took a position by not allowing us to make that simple request. So what can you really say about this situation? It's, it's complicated is what it is. And I have to separate my personal beliefs with what's rational. And personally, I believe every single American should stand. If you have the ability to stand, you should stand. In fact, uh, a couple weeks ago, there was a thing where uh, former Senator Bob Dole, who was wheelchair bound, was receiving a medal or award of some kind from President Trump. And when the national anthem was played, this like 90 something year old senator 
actually managed to stand from his wheelchair for the national anthem. So I think every American that has the ability to should. But I respect the NFL and its rights to say, we allow our players to kneel. I can't really say either way whether I think this is a right decision or a wrong decision. I think that it, they're well within their rights, and I can't speak on whether this is like a moral issue or a patriotism issue. I don't really know. Uh, let's see. Hallworth said that what he saw on Facebook by Monday was a lot of vitriol there. I wanted to talk a bit more to that group about what I was doing from a professional standpoint because it's supposed to be a professional group of colleagues. I addressed them as colleagues, but it really didn't turn out to be like that. The group turned out to be much less professional than I would have liked, he added. So there you have it, folks. It's up there. It's up for you to make this decision because it's an individual issue. It's it, what do you think about this issue? And if you have an opinion, please let us know. Uh, let us know on Twitter or Facebook. You can follow Connecting Vets on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, where we are at Connecting Vets. So please do that. Because we want to know what you think. Because we represent veterans, but we can't do that if we don't know what veterans like. So make sure you let us know. All right, coming up in just a second, we're gonna have we're gonna have the VFW Associate Legislative Director Ken Wiseman talking about toxic exposures. What could that possibly mean? Well, you'll just have to stick around and find out. This is the morning briefing for Friday. January 26, 2018. I'm Super Producer JQs, and we'll be right back after this short message. Helping military veterans stay connected. We make it easy. We're CBS Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting vets every day. Online and all over social media. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. At Connecting Vets. See, that's the cool thing about me hosting the show. When I host the show, the music transitions are always metal. Because I'm a big metalhead, I love to share my passion. That's a band called Sabaton. And if you're a fan of like war history and battles and stuff like that, check this band out. They sing about a lot of really cool stuff. But anyway, welcome back to the morning briefing for Friday, January 26, 2018. Super producer JQ sitting in the driver's seat because host Eric Dame is handling some personal business and our hearts and minds go out to him. Uh, don't forget, you need to follow us on social media. You'll learn all the really cool stuff as soon as we get it. Once the story gets posted, you'll be the first to know. Follow us on social media. We are at Connecting Bets on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. So make sure you follow us there. Now, have you heard of Bunker Labs? They're really cool people. And they work to help veteran entrepreneurs uh, empower military veterans to take leaders in innovation. And joining us right now is a really cool person who is involved with that. Please welcome Michael J. Penny. Michael, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Thanks so much for having me on the show. We appreciate you coming on. Now, let's start with a little bit of background. Tell us, who are you? Uh, what's your military connection? When did you serve? When did you get out? And all that good stuff. 
Sure. So I served eight years in the Marine Corps, specifically in the infantry. Uh, did two tours through Ahmadi, Iraq in 2005-2007 uh, with 3-7 Weapons Company. And then wound up re-enlisting overseas, going to Quantico, where I became a combat marksmanship coach, a trainer, an instructor, did some foreign weapons, designated marksmen, small arms weapons, rotated back out to the fleet, and then operated as an embedded advisor, uh, where there were a few of us and a lot of Afghans. And we worked in assessing, training, and advising the Afghans in, uh, in policing the local population. It was a solid mission. So after that, wound up getting out, going studying business, and pursuing my entrepreneurial dreams, and have failed a couple of times along the way. Well, so. well, failure is good because we learn from failure. Now, tell me As, a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about your transition. Was it difficult transfer transmitting or transmitting transferring from a Marine infantryman to business school student? Like, what was that like? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So when I left the Marine Corps out of the Fallbrook back gate in May 2012, it was May 12th, May 16th, four days later, I was in Boston, Massachusetts in my first day in college. Wow, you didn't take a break at all. Not even a breather. Yep, went straight for it, and it damn near killed me. So (laughs) it was... uh, it was, you know, it was a Billy Madison moment. It was one of those things where you're looking around at essentially who your peers are in the same student body as you, and it's very difficult connecting with anybody there. It was difficult, frankly, connecting with a lot of the other veterans that were on campus also because, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a hard-charging motivator or anything like that, but I am definitely passionate about the next endeavor that I'm going on. And... uh there were not a whole lot of folks for me to immediately connect with. I actually worked at uh, the Best Buy location in Watertown, Massachusetts. It was a great job considering coming out and learning to you know, meet with people and talk with people and understand civilian life again and all of these other different things. Uh, it also was one of those uh, uh, moments when I realized I definitely did not want to work retail. that wasn't for me so so, um but it it was a very difficult moment of evolution where i knew that it was going to take strong self-study in order to get through it i was not going to get what i needed out of any structure or institution i needed to buckle down and figure out who my mentors were going to be and where I wanted to go. I already had the goal in mind. Okay. And I needed to find people who were ready to, to support the cause, so to speak. All right, awesome. Now, tell me something. What is there? What do you wish you had known before? Like, now that you've been through it, what do you wish you would have known when you were transitioning? Like, what advice would you go back in time and give yourself back at that time? Well, it's kind of, okay, so it's kind of funny because we created that. And that is the five-paragraph business plan. Ah, that's, that's a transition right there. Well, so that's, that was honestly the biggest struggle for me is I was trying to understand the business planning aspect of stuff. And a shout-out to SBA.gov. They do a great job. They really do. But anything that big of a program where it covers, you know, the United States, which the contiguous United States is 
twice the size of the continent of Europe. So it's, you know, to put it into relation, you have a, a program that's supposed to be a one size fits all for everybody. It's going to be generic. And I needed something that correlated where I was coming from in the military with where I was going to go on the outside. Um, so we created the five paragraph business plan essentially just to, to understand how to plan a business operation. And when we formalized it and folks can check it out at five paragraph.com, it's five, like the number paragraph.com. Um, and five paragraph.com also has tutorial episodes. I'm a podcaster, uh, Bennett Tanton, our co-host on cigars and sea stories. We share stories with veterans who add value to, to the world. Our slogan is smoking and joking since 1775. <laughs> our whole our whole thing is to talk with motivators who are out there adding value now, but to speak with them in a dialogue sense, to just have a smoking and joking conversation with them. Yeah, I think that really, um, I think that really reaches people more than the lecture type because when you get more conversational, you can really learn more about a person because they're a little more open, you know. Oh, absolutely. Well, so the first 20% of an episode on Cigars and Sea Stories is how they're adding value to the world. The next 80% is us trailing down rabbit holes. You know, just talking about, oh, man, I was in the same place, same time. Do you remember this? Do you remember that? You know, that's great. But also pulling up different topics. You know, we'll sit down and we'll talk about, I mean, even something as simple as, say, a Kevlar. Because there are so many other sea stories that go around a Kevlar. And my co-host on the show, Bennett, was a recon Marine, 92, 96, got out, worked Wall Street, didn't like it, went back in, only this time to the Army Infantry with 10th Mountain. So you're getting this mixture of generations of different types of experiences, and it allows us to play off a guest really well. So it's a really fun podcast. But that's the thing is I sought fellowship, and I wasn't finding it in my area where I was going to school in Boston. And I needed a planning methodology that I could easily understand and adapt to any business scenario. And so we were like, great, let's, let's make them. That's what entrepreneurs do. They find problems and then they solve them. Okay, awesome. So tell us, other than Cigars and Sea Stories, what are you up to these days? Like the five-paragraph website, is that just just the, the five paragraphs and that's it? Or what are you doing more to help veteran entrepreneurs these days? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> glad that well, that's you, my job. I'm glad that you asked because I am, I am at a very big meeting right now in Charlotte with a couple of colleagues. And we're looking to pull in fellow veteran entrepreneurs uh, into a greater network uh, of skilled labor. And what I mean by this is using five paragraph business plan to organize, professionalize, and run teams with military efficiency. Fiveparagraph.com, the five paragraph business plan is a book with tutorials. We make it super simple. It's auditory, visual, kinesthetic learning. You're filling in the book. It's, there is no fluff in it. It's a workbook. You have to put pen to paper, otherwise you will not retain this. It is building familiarization with that and the system and coming right around the corner. I'm telling you, we want to have them out before the end of this quarter. We are going to provide e-courses in 
managing with five paragraphs, conducting a debrief, and then putting together after-action reviews in order to create positive, effective change in their organization. We are working with large networks who not only want to attract veterans, that's great, uh, but they want to understand our culture because that's really the underlying thing with five paragraphs. We market it towards the civilian population. Those who have never served in the military don't understand us, and that's the biggest complaint that we have. Well, great. We created a document that threads the two together, and they like it. They look at it, and they go, wait a minute, you guys came up with this? No, we didn't. The U.S. military has been refining it for 240 years, and I learned how to implement it in a hole in the ground when I was 18 years old. So if you're telling me that your MBA brain cannot accept it, come on. Now, right? yeah, exactly. And uh, I, want, I want to ask, because when you mentioned an AAR, I remember being in the field and in, in the Army and just being bored. And the AAR is just this thing of, oh, can we hurry up and do this so I can go home now? But what is it about the military's methodology, way of doing things that translate, that seems to translate so well into the business world? What is it that makes those two so compatible? Because the business world uh, is yearning for something simple that calls to action. The five-paragraph operations order that we based it off of, and we use the U.S. Army and the Marine Corps combined because the U.S. Army uses sustainment in the admin logistics as well as a command and control element, which we do not in the Marine Corps, right? So it is a U.S. military five-paragraph operations order. It is intended for a leader to stand up and brief their team. It's not a memo for you to read. It requires a leader to stand up and tell us that which we are going to commit ourselves to. Then we are going to go out and do it. We are going to debrief with that leader. And then we are going to compile it into topic, discussion, recommendation, those after-action reviews. It is because you are maintaining accountability down to the lowest guy on the totem pole all the way up to the head shed. So it's accountability, it's simplicity, it's being able to delegate authority while maintaining the overall responsibility of the organization. I mean, frankly, America has been crying out for this for nearly a decade. And the ironic thing about it is the, the overall mission, let's say, for instance, that's on the battlefield that we have downrange, you're dealing with a local civilian population in Afghanistan where you're trying to weed out the enemy and tease it out within an area that needs your services to boil it way down. Civilians, for the most part, don't know how to run COCs or talks, right? Right. Command operations centers, tactical operations centers. They don't understand how to run any of these things. So that military education needs to be bridged across over into a business mentality. And once they understand how they can implement it in the business side of things, meaning just all we did is we took the operations order as a template and we plugged in the business terminology where it belongs in proper fashion a lot of other folks have taken the five-paragraph operations order, Harvard, Stanford. There's a number of different uh, uh, well-known universities in between that have taken the op order, put a veneer on it, and tried to use it in the business world. It never works. We need 
to take the business terminology and plug it into the op order. The op order is the function which they need. It's the simplicity and it's maintaining accountability. Forward and backward, maintaining accountability. Right. That's that's cool. Now, I have a question. I am not an entrepreneur. I am not a businessman. So I there are things I don't understand. But you mentioned trying to get veteran entrepreneurs together and sort of connect them. But like example on the show, we've talked a lot to Grunt Style, to Dan Alrick of Grunt Style. But we've also spoken with uh, uh, Ray uh, or um, Nick Palmashano from Ranger Up. Now these two companies are competing with each other. So why would veterans benefit from connecting with each other if they may be in competition? Oh man, great question! I love it. Okay, so again, this is my is job, a- man. This, this is excellent. No, 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 no. This is very good. Usually it's just the bland stuff, right? Okay, so here's why. Originally, when we were creating a five-paragraph business plan, we put competition into the enemy. Okay, wrong. We were dead wrong. So wrong, insanely wrong. The enemy is the need. It is the need for your good product or service that is within your customer's heart. They must have that which you provide. Otherwise, why are you providing it? That doesn't make any sense. Now, when you think about competition, they are adjacent units. Hey, brother, when we were on the battlefield, you were trying to kill as many enemy as I was. And if you killed all my enemy, I was going to be real upset. I want more enemy than you got. <laughs> right? that was my, I want a bigger kill count than you got, right? And that's right. exactly where it is. That's exactly the thing that we're seeing. We're mu- we're, if you have any infighting, and I'm not saying that there is in between those two organizations, but if you have it out there in between organizations, you're just stomping on the same market, essentially. You're given overlap. Why aren't you stretching the edges of your own market in order to compete and help one another? Now, I'm not necessarily saying that you've got to be the best of chums, right? But, hey, we don't do that here is not a bad thing to say to a client, we can send you over there and vice versa. That's okay. Be buyers of each other's services. That's all right. If you're a direct competitor, mastermind with one another. You both are hitting a market. Why don't you niche even further down? So that way you can grow the overall market. You know, greater competition actually expands the marketplace. And on top of it, it gives a better product for consumers. Competing is not a bad thing, but competing is for chumps. Be category leader. You don't need, don't be the other guy who starts a dry cleaner. Be the guy who starts a dry cleaner with a bar in it. Be a category leader. (laughs) I would totally go there. See? Boom. Steal that. I don't care who you are. Steal it. (laughs) And write a five paragraph business plan and send it to me on fiveparagraph.com. Do it. Wow. a bar dry cleaner. Yep. Send it on over. And I'll tell you this much. Look, I helped, I, w- I went through Bunker Labs, right, like what we were talking about before. And while I went through Bunker Labs doing the five-paragraph business plan, I also did a, a TED Talk, a TEDx presentation at TEDx Raleigh on how to add value during life's explosive situations. It's called What's Your IED? And um, it, it talks about divorce, death, separation from loved one, personal illness, loss of income, of which I went through all at the same time, and how do you get out of it? 
and it's focusing on your strengths. It is focusing all of your attention into that which you can control. It's adding value in the moment and being outside of your comfort zone. That's how you live. Being outside of your comfort zone while you're in your strength base, that's when, like, the biggest rewards occur. And so that, while I was going to Bunker Labs, was a huge thing. And then I wound up working for the organization for about, it was about 14 months. As five paragraph grew legs, and we, frankly, we had no idea uh, that we were going to have the market response that we did with five paragraph. Originally, we said, let's create this as a book product for Cigars and Sea Stories. The way that, you know, the way that uh, John Lee Dumas did Master's Journal, another veteran, we had him on Cigars and Sea Stories. Um, the way that Tim Ferriss has done it with Four Hour Work Week, right? right? And a lot of these other different folks that provide an enabling, empowering type of book. That's what we wanted to provide. Well, lo and behold, we create this workbook that's 76 pages. When I get done, I throw it down in my dining room table and I go, God, I made an MCI. I made a Marine Corps <laughs> Institute booklet. Like, what, what am I doing? And, and, you know, you go back to what you know. I was an instructor. I trained a lot of officers, a lot of enlisted how to shoot. We did 17 lieutenant details. It, it was tens of thousands of individuals how to handle weapons and firearms and also instruct other people. And a lot of that comes through in the tutorials. A lot of it comes through in the book. Um, so lo and behold, we released the tutorials and I meet a guy on a flight, really good dude, single serving friend, as it were. And we chatted all the way down to baggage claim. I said, hey, man, check out five paragraph. He's a civilian. He happened to be reading Leaders eat last. I'm like, you know, Simon stole all that stuff from the Marines, right? I'm just saying. <laughs> right? Just yeah. kind of just, just poking the bear like you got one next to you. Yeah. Um, and so he wound up, this gentleman I had never met before, wound up going on five paragraphs and was impressed enough to where he, he listened through all the tutorials. He downloaded our template. He scheduled a call with one of our advisors and pre-ordered the book before it came to market back in July. Wow. And, uh, and it was amazing, really big client, really, really big client right out the gate. It was amazing. And what we'll do, and this is what we've been doing essentially in the background, we're working with very, very large organizations to conduct instructor training so that we can build the e-courses and those e-courses, are then up for uh, certification license, essentially. So the whole point being is you can be a basic, advanced, or master instructor of the five-paragraph business plan, and you will be entirely educated online. That is our intention. Okay. Uh, uh, and me... that, that, that is the future. All right, awesome. Let me ask you something. You mentioned this guy you met at the airport uh, uh, who's now like a good business partner. How does it feel knowing that you're helping vets out? And not just vets, really. You're helping other regular entrepreneurs. How does it feel knowing that your product is helping people achieve their goals? Uh, it's extraordinarily satisfying knowing that we're adding value because, look, it my whole thing, and this is the thing with Bunker also, is to catalyze your military experience and bring it outward. 
when we sit around and we sit inward all the time, we might as well just go to the Oscars every night. Okay. (laughs) Like we need to take the talents that we've learned and we need to apply those skills, knowledge, and attitude outward. Come back into the veteran mastermind group, mastermind with one another. That, that's tr- and if you don't know what mastermind groups are, go read Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Think and Grow Rich talks about mastermind groups and a lot of different things like that. It's a very old text. Go for it. Enjoy. Um, and we also offer that. It's available for sale on fiveparagraph.com. Hey. Uh, so, <laughs> but, Plug. But no biggie. Uh Think and Grow Rich talks about the mastermind, but it also talks about going out and operating in your own space and then coming back and masterminding together. The whole point is to divide and conquer. Why, why bother turning inboard? Why not create something, show it to the civilian masses, and then have them go, hey, wait a minute, where'd you learn this? I learned this in the military, baby. That <laughs> elevates the entire subculture, right? The whole subculture looks better by doing that. Hopefully... Hopefully we are adding value to the greater subculture of veterans by adding value to these other organizations. They see a professional locked on group of veterans who have come together behind a cause in phalanx in order to add value to the greater masses. But yeah, that, that's a good feeling. Okay. Well, the whole, awesome. why, the whole why, and I'll leave you I'll, I'll, are we wrapping up here? The whole why associated with this, I need you to understand, is to eliminate toxic leadership. That is the problem. And there are a lot of people who are out there who might have good intentions and think that they are doing right by other people, but it might be actually detrimental to the overall organization. And we see it a lot. Our goal is to eliminate toxic leadership. So if folks want to pick that up, it's fiveparagraph.com. Check it out. I was about to ask if people want to learn more, where can they go? But you've said it um, numerous times, like a good businessman and plugging your product the entire time, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'm used to the podcast also. I mean, we've, we've got 262 episodes, you know, 100, 160,000 plus downloads, something like that. So we're going in the right direction with a podcast. And I have no problem sharing those numbers with people. I enjoy sharing these stories with my brethren. It's like therapy for me. So, <laughs> you know, this is the business side of things, you know. It's a heck right. of a lot of fun. It really is. Thanks for having me on. We're I do appreciate gl- it. Glad to have you on. Michael J. Penny from fiveparagraph.com. Thanks so much for being on the show, man. Hey, take care. Be well. Yeah, you too. Well, if you again, if you want to learn more about his information and what he does on the air, you can go to fiveparagraphs.com and find out exactly what's going on there. Well, this has been the morning briefing for Friday, January 26, 2018. It's Friday, so make sure you have a good, safe weekend. Be safe out there. Don't hurt yourself because we want you to come back here on Monday morning and learn about all the cool stuff we'll have for you then. So I'm Jay Hughes for host Eric Dame. We'll see you next week. Laters. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.